Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, no more talk about the Panthers game. It's been flushed. Time to look ahead to the Seahawks, and specifically that Seahawks defense, which, based on the numbers, is not very good. Of course, if we've learned anything from this season, it's to not pay attention to the numbers. First, though, here we go again. Ankle Watch, week three. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 497, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Keeping my fingers crossed, MJ, that this is the last week we have to do this, and that's monitor every little movement Kyler Murray makes on the practice field. The good news is Kyler Murray was on the practice field during the open portion on Wednesday. So already, as we get closer to Week 11, a positive first step, considering we saw him practice on Friday, did some light throwing pregame on Sunday, but... Wednesday, important to see your starting quarterback on the football field. Yeah, and, and they've they've been consistent just about, you know, he is getting better. Um, I think after the Packers game, obviously getting some time off. Um, I'm sure there was, you know, rehab around the clock. And they're not going to put him out there if he's going to endanger himself because we know, just like any franchise quarterback, if he can't play down the stretch, it's going to be difficult for this team to make a run. Um, I do think they can make the postseason. And – Really, all three quarterbacks were out there. We know that Colt McCoy uh, left the game, and then Chris Strepo came in. And, you know, I think we're all looking forward to seeing Kyler Murray back. Um, But I know that this is a big game for them. It's a division game. It's a road game. We know how they played on the road. And then you got the bye week, and hopefully we'll get some other players back like DeAndre Hopkins. I think we'll have to wait for Chase Edmonds. So things should settle down. But it was encouraging to see all three quarterbacks out there if Murray can't go. And encouraging that the team, although according to one report, tried to sign a quarterback this week. As of Wednesday morning, there was not an additional quarterback added to the active roster or to the practice squad. So right now, just three quarterbacks. So that bodes well heading into week 11. I was told the when they tried to sign the practice squad quarterback from the Chiefs, that was for Colt McCoy. They didn't know his availability. They thought Kyler was trending in the right direction. Obviously, we'll see more in the next couple of days. You know, he looked like he was moving around fine, but again, it's a little bit different when you got, you know, 11 guys chasing you on the field. But I was told that was for more for Colt McCoy just to have some insurance if he wasn't able to return this week. And that's talking about Shane Bouchelle, who the Chiefs added to the active roster. But again, knock on wood, that's not needed because what we did see on Wednesday, again, during the open portion, when the media walked out, Kyler was doing some work on the side. He did not participate in team stretch, but did go through position drills, some quick throws, dropbacks, footwork, about three-quarter speed or so. Seemed to be moving around pretty well. Also spotted him jogging a little bit as well. So for a Wednesday practice, I am certainly optimistic. Of course, we've been down this road before. But when you see K1 on the football field going through what a quarterback does on Wednesdays does lead me to believe that we will see K1 on Sunday. And and again, um, you know, they want to be smart about it. But 
there's no throwaway games in the NFL. And, you know, I thought I, I liked their chances going into the game against the Panthers. Clearly, went the different route. It was one of those games where you can't just predict it. It ha- happens. Um, but it's refreshing to see him out there because we know this team rolls in its complimentary football when he's out there. You know, we'll see, um, you know, if Connor's going to get more of a, an opportunity. Um, obviously, you know, you know, Benjamin. So it's just refreshing that, you know, we're not waiting till Friday to say, well, how much did he do in practice? And I think a lot of it over the last couple of weeks was gamesmanship, forced teams to plan for both. And you have to. The Cardinals had a plan for P.J. Walker. They had a plan for, you know, Cam Newton. Uh, I think we all knew once we got closer to the game that he was going to be in a handful of plays. He was in there for nine plays. And they were, uh, they were able to get a touchdown from him, and he threw a touchdown to Robbie Anderson. But it's just refreshing that, you know, we're not guessing, so to speak, as we go through the rest of the week. We kind of have some definitive um, plans to where if this really happens, Kyler could be out there. And because Kyler was on the practice field, we got a little bit more from Kingsbury on what he was able to see. Quotes, Murray was moving out there around pretty good today. We'll see how it progresses. He did like the way, talking about Kingsbury, like the way Murray was moving around. So that certainly bodes well. And then Kyler Murray, quote, I'm pretty close. And, again, nothing definitive, but based off, and I'm not even going based off what we heard, based off what we saw during the open portion of practice and a lot more cameras pointed towards the quarterback's direction because that certainly has been the story each of the past two weeks going into a game and obviously here for week number three going into the Seahawks contest. Yeah, and, you know, we'll see if they dress all three because, you know, obviously Colt is, you know, I guess we're going to have to wait and see who was limited because, you know, we didn't get a chance to see what happens during the practice. But I, I just think it's refreshing and encouraging to see all three out there. And then they'll have to make a decision based on numbers, who's up and who's down. Kingsbury did add that McCoy was just okay and limited him in his throwing. But it's a good point that you make as far as if three quarterbacks are active on Sunday, then there's some concern more so with Colt McCoy than with Kyler Murray. If you go two quarterbacks, then it's like nothing's ever happened because that's that's how you have to look at it, that your quarterback, your starter is fine, and your backup is fine because it's a big question mark with either one of them then you definitely have to have Strebler up and in uniform. Yeah, this could be more wishful thinking and possibly being optimistic, but if this team can go out there and play like they have, uh, maybe you don't have to have Kyler play in that fourth quarter. Again, the the key is to win, and it could come down to a kick. It could come down to the last possession. So, um, again, they're not throwing any games away. That, That one game last week, that's enough for the entire season. So, I think they get back to the basics, clean some things up, and uh, I, I just feel like once you get past the bye week, this team is going to look like they looked in the first seven or eight games. I know there's been a lot of discussion, MJ, about you know what do you do in the best interest of Kyler, the best interest of the team? Do you keep him out even though maybe he is ready for this week because you got the bye week? And Kyler Murray really didn't want to get into that discussion because, as he said, quote, when I'm ready, I'll be ready. And made it sound like there doesn't need to be any discussion between him, the coaching staff, the training staff, the front office, that he'll let everyone know when he is ready to go. And if that's this week, then that's this week, regardless of what's after this week. Well, and, you know, Steve Kime last Friday said, really, it's Kyler's decision. And then Kyler was asked today, you know, do you have to let him know? And he's like, uh, and then somebody asked about hump day, you know, like not Wednesday, but are you over the hump? 
and he's having over the hump, meaning his rehab. Rehab. He's not in the first, you know, quarter of the rehab. He's more in the third or going into the fourth quarter of the rehab. And that's and and I thought they made the right decision. Yes, you don't want to lose football games. Uh, obviously, the Packers game they still had a chance, um, but in this last game, I, you just want to make sure you protect him because this team will only go as far as Kyler Murray can take them. And not that he would rush returning based off what happened on Sunday against the Panthers. Although he admitted that he does not like watching games, and he felt like a fan on the sidelines being. <laughs> watching and not being able to help, not being able to correct what was going wrong. Quote, I kind of felt like this is what it feels like when things are going bad, end quote, meaning you're just stuck. You feel helpless because you're not allowed to participate or try to turn the corner or try to help this team get back onto the winning side of things. He also said he misses hop playing because he normally, you know, you see these other receivers out there where he's staying on the sidelines. Now, he obviously him and hop, you know, when they're on the field together, they're a much better team. But he said, I even miss watching him play. And to me, that's okay. It's it, it, it's going to happen. It may not happen this week. I don't think it is when it comes to hop. I'll let the injury report dictate all that stuff. But after the bye week, he's had plenty of rest. And just having him on the field, we know that the offense was stagnant last week. I think the way they started, I think uh, I would like to see more from A.J. Green, Rondell Moore. I think Wesley's trying to find his role. I think he's a a guy that's going to be in the top four. But just having Hop on the field opens so much for the run game and open up so much for Zach Ertz. So it's really a downward spiral effect when he's on the field. Um, They're a different offense. And, and again, uh, they have other playmakers, but we haven't seen the targets like we had when he's out there. And, he again, he's not being targeted like he was in the past. But as Kingsbury said, and I'm paraphrasing, just give him a, a touch on every game, he's happy. Talk about presence. That's the word Murray used to yeah. describe number 10, DeAndre Hopkins being on the football field. And we saw it a little bit in the Green Bay game. Even when he is on the field at less than 100%, you have to account for him. And that's what's been missing the past two weeks. And it doesn't sound like, because Hopkins was not present during the open portion of practice, that this is going to be the week. And he's the only one that's going to know, as it's been chronicled, Hopkins sometimes will rest on Wednesdays. And maybe he doesn't practice the entire week. But Sundays is when it matters. But you got to be able to be confident when you go out there on the football field. Yeah, and he's in the meetings. Um, he travels. Uh, one of the things I, I, I thought was you know kind of telling is Kingsbury actually gave Hop a lot of credit how he's dealing with this. We know he wants to be on the field, but it's a long season, and they need him for the stretch run here. So, you know, it can't be easy knowing he, he knows his body just as well as, as the trainers do at this point, but he said – He's handled it like a pro, and that's that's refreshing to hear versus I'm going to get out there at 80%. I know I'm not 100, and then there's another setback, and I think that was the same idea with Kyler Murray. Yes, they probably could have played him, but maybe it wasn't comfortable enough where he wasn't going to be Kyler Murray. Um, but I think they made the right decision just kind of shutting Hop down because I think the injury was a little bit more severe than your normal – hamstring injury and we know between hamstring and high ankle sprains they can linger and so you got to make sure you take care of your body and obviously hot tub cold tub I'm sure they're getting uh, massages so yeah I just think they're a different team when he's on the field and Kyle has made it very clear he's the number one wide receiver in football he doesn't even doubt that so no D hop at practice no Tanner Vallejo or Jonathan Ward during the open portion of practice and three-fifths of the starting offensive line 
were also not presents. We saw Justin Pugh, Rodney Hudson, and Calvin Beecham all walk to the locker room as the media walked out to practice. Also seen walk into the locker room, Chandler Jones and Corey Peters. Probably very easily veteran days off for the most of those players, with the exception of Pugh, who is dealing with a calf injury. So some questions at left guard, but right guard Max Garcia was practicing or seen during the open portion on Wednesday, so that bodes well. Kingsbury asked about both of his starting guards and said they're on the same schedule and just needs to see some improvement as the week progresses, whether they'll play or not. But encouraging when you see one guy on the football field, that being Max Garcia, because it's not that they can't do it, but when you're talking about a Sean Harlow or a Josh Jones, Danny Isadora, who's been elevated from the practice squad a couple of times, it becomes not your best five, if you will. It just becomes your best five available offensive linemen. Yeah, and we got a chance to, uh, to hear from Sean Harlow uh, on Wednesday. And, you know, it was interesting. He said that, you know, he's kind of been the guy that, you know, is maybe the seventh or eighth guy and he's gone from the practice squad to the roster. He actually said if this didn't work out, he would have had to put his big boy pants on and, and get a real job. And, he, you know, he talked about his wife and having a baby and, you know, the practice squad is a little bit different than the normal game check, but uh, he 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 really felt when when they brought him in here that Kugler said you're going to get a chance to compete, and he said a lot of teams say that to get you in here, but he said I I, I got a lot of reps in in training camp when Pew was out, um, really is opportunity to play uh, guard and center, which to me is position flexibility. But it was interesting when you, we don't know what goes with these what these guys are thinking. And he's thinking this is a great opportunity for me. And I don't think it's just this year. I think depth-wise, and he could compete for one of the starting jobs in the future. Very open and honest, candid conversation with yeah. Sean Harlow earlier on Wednesday. And go to azcardinals.com for more on that. Seemed like a very good player, very good person, more importantly, as far as given an opportunity and not just been given an opportunity, but making the most of that opportunity as we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Need to mention, Bird Gang, that as we speak and through December 16th, Pro Bowl voting. You can go to NFL.com slash Pro Bowl votes. The game this year, Sunday, February 6th in Las Vegas. You can vote early. You can vote often every single day between now and December 16th. Again, it's NFL.com slash Pro Bowl votes. All right. So I think we can list, uh, you know, the the top guys when it comes to the uh, Pro Bowl. I mean, Hopkins, Murray, Connor. I would put I would put James Conner up there because of his ability to find the end zone. And now with 12 total touchdowns, 11 of them on the ground, I do think James Conner should get some consideration for the Pro Bowl. Um, even though he's kind of slowed down, uh, you, you know, you got different tiers. I mean, Rodney Hudson's missed a few games. Maybe he doesn't get the credit he does from Pro Football Focus. Byron Murphy had a, Marcus Golden's probably. And then Christian Kirk, he, he, he delivers every game when he's been healthy. Um, yeah, so I, I think there's a top tier, and then there's a you – know, I think you only can list 10 players. Each team can list 10 players. Like, when it comes to Houston, I don't even know how many <laughs> players they would have or Jacksonville. So it kind of evens itself out. But I, I would think, from my eyes, Murray, Buddha, I mean, Matt Prater can be in there, just some of the kicks. But Jake Connor. 
I don't know about Chandler Jones. Clearly, he's not having the same year. And Humphreys, it's just a tough position to crack when you're playing left tackle in the NFC, let alone the NFL. We've heard sometimes it's the year after, and then you go an additional year when you kind of drop off. It becomes not so much a popularity vote, but who is being talked about amongst the league and then who has that name recognition. I know Humphreys was disappointed, as were we, that he was not among those selected to be the Pro Bowl a year ago. And maybe, okay, didn't happen last year. He rated very, very well. Now the team is playing better. Is it this year for D.J. Humphreys? And defensively, how about we talk about Marcus Golden because he does have the numbers as far as the nine sacks, four forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries. If you're going to look at guys that definitely should be in that game on January 6th, Kyler Murray first and foremost on the offense, and I think Marcus Golden on defense. If you're just basing it off of numbers, now a lot more goes into that, but as far as filling up the stat sheet, those two on offense and defense respectively, I think uh, head and shoulders as far as what everyone else has been able to do. You know, Summary reminded me, though, I mean, are they actually playing the game this year? Or is it they are. They are playing a game? That is the plan. And that would be Knock on wood. probably in SoFi just because that's... No, they're doing it in Las Vegas. In Las Vegas, yes. okay. Yes, Allegiant Stadium. Okay, thank you for the update. However, the Cardinals are going to be playing, so it'd be nice to get the uh, you know the invitation and, and and being awarded. But they got bigger fish to fry. They got to worry about playoff games and possibly going to Sci-Fi Stadium in February. So all this is kind of window dressing. Their goal is to get to the get to the top of the mountain. But again, when your career is over, how many Pro Bowls did you make? How many All Pros? Uh, where did you finish in your class? And we all think I, I think Kyler Murray obviously is gonna, we're going to be having this conversation for a long, long time with him. That was one of the first responses. It might have even have been the first response when from the team accounts, social media on Twitter that hey, Pro Bowl voting is now underway. <laughs> and I think one of the first was doesn't matter. Cardinals are going to be in the Super Bowl, <laughs> so who cares? So you know, I love the passion. <laughs> that that is you know the following week, not. Sunday, February 6th, but Sunday, February 13th at SoFi Stadium is the Super Bowl. So still a lot to go between now and then as the Cardinals through 10 games, 8-2. and two. Hopefully this is the week Kyler Murray comes back, having missed two games. And before we kind of look at what Murray or Colt McCoy or Chris Strebler face this week in a Seahawks defense, something that was brought up on Morning Scramble on Monday as far as Kyler Murray and his absence, what that has shown not only everyone here locally but nationally as well. We know what his numbers are. In fact, even despite not playing the past two games, he still leads the league in completion percentage, almost 73%, 17 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's got 2,200-plus passing yards, and it's not so much the legs. He does have a couple of rushing touchdowns, three to be specific, but the case for him to be MVP on a team right now that has the best record in football, tied with the Packers and the Titans. But the case for him to be that player, I thought got a huge boost with him on the sidelines watching that game on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers because without Murray, the offense recorded season lows in points, yards, net passing yards, net rushing yards, and first downs that to me kind of says all right how valuable of a player are you let's take that player off the team how do they perform 
And without Kyler Murray, they did not perform well against the Panthers. Yeah, and, and that's why – you know, he's in the MVP conversation. We've talked about it over the last 10 years. you got to win at least 12 and a half games, and, and they're on that, that path. But it's like anything else. You take Tom Brady, um, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Murray. Um, you know, I don't know about Stafford, but you take them off their teams, and there's a huge drop-off. No disrespect to any backup quarterback in the league. And, and we're talking about guys now. Brady was drafted – obviously in the sixth round, but Lamar Jackson, that was Ozzie Newsom's last pick, 32nd overall. Dak Prescott went in the fourth round, and he's probably in the conversation. He has 21 touchdowns, only five interceptions. His QBR is not the greatest. And then you look at Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, um, and, and Patrick Mahomes. People think they're back. I don't, you know, look at the teams they beat, but they don't make the schedule. They want to get some backup quarterbacks. But when you throw five touchdown passes, you're going to be in that conversation. There are a handful of players that get talked about every single year, and it's players from teams that are successful. And I think definitively you can include Kyler Murray in that discussion, not just for the first four games or half the season, but now entering the third quarter of the season because the Cardinals are relevant. They're the number two seed in the NFC. So, And as you keep saying, as Kyler Murray goes, so do the Arizona Cardinals. So if they continue to win, even if Murray doesn't put up spectacular numbers he's going to be in that conversation because that determines at least for me value of a player to that particular team it's not always sometimes and I know people have different ways of defining MVP is it the best player or is it the most valuable player and for me when you look at Kyler Murray in the case for him it's the value because you take him off the team and we saw what happened Sunday against the Panthers. Now, the week prior against San Francisco, yes, Colt McCoy and the offense performed very, very well. Can you sustain it? And obviously, for a second straight week or a second week, they could not. So you get Kyler Murray back this week or after the bye week, and then the question becomes, all right, he returns, MJ. Can he just pick things up where he left off after missing two games, three games, whatever it is, that's something that people are going to talk about, and maybe even later this week, especially if he's on the practice field Friday and uh, Thursday and Friday. Yeah, and I haven't looked at the uh, criteria. Uh, he did miss a few games. Um, you know, obviously, you know Brady's been able to stay healthy. Aaron Rodgers uh, didn't have a great week one. Um, you know, Josh Allen's played every game. Lamar Jackson's had some illness. I don't. I, I just hope that people don't dock him for missing two games. But to your point on the, the Monday scramble. You take him off this team, and nothing against Colt McCoy, but we, we talked about it. He's good in a pinch, whether it's a quarter, a game. But any time like a backup quarterback, when you get on film and teams obviously watch what you did the week ago, they kind of get exposed, and there's a reason why they're a backup. But he's, he's a great backup just from an IQ standpoint. You can see they both root for each other, and they like that room. And I think Cam Turner's done a good job with, you know, obviously working with Murray and making sure Colt McCoy got ready. But – uh, again, yeah, there's a huge drop-off when Kyler's not in there. If you're going to dock from players who don't play, I understand that if it's six, seven, eight games, but if it's two or three, I think that furthers your case. And I was talking about you earlier in the week. I go back, and this is dating myself, but let's think back to Steve Nash and his MVP season, his first MVP season in 2004-2005. He missed three games in mid-January. The Suns lost all three of those games. 
And I remember the discussion. Well, look, without Steve Nash, the Suns can't win. With Steve Nash, they're the number one team in the Western Conference. So that's the comparison. That's the argument. Again, most valuable, not best player when you're talking about MVP. That's, for me, how I define it. Others might define it differently. Yeah, I don't know if you want to pick this guy, but I thought Shaq should have won those one of those MVPs. But anyway, Steve Nash, obviously a Hall of Famer. But I think I think what's going to help in the long run, if he's able to come back and doesn't have any setbacks, 15 out of 17 is still a good percentage. It's not like he played half the season. So, you know, of course, another game. But at the end of the day, you know, he's going to put up his numbers. We know the yards per attempt is up there. We know his completion percentage up there. The sacks are down. So he definitely should be in the conversation now. You know, Aaron Rodgers last year, they were the number one seed, and uh, he won the MVP. Uh, But I think 17-game schedule, I don't think you can knock a guy for missing two. Because if you just miss one, 16 games, that's a full season right. prior to this year. That's a good point. I mean, yeah, you're right. And, you know, that again, all of this is going to factor in and we'll keep moving on. But we're starting that third quarter of the regular season and week 11 on Sunday. If Kyler Murray plays, another opportunity, but a more important opportunity as far as to get this team back in the win column because as we hear all the time and it's cliché, Good teams don't lose two in a row. Cardinals rebounded after the loss to the Packers, beating San Francisco on the road. Now they're facing a very similar situation. You lose at home to the Panthers, and you find yourself on the road against a division team in Seattle. Yeah, and there's a stat out there. You know, Russell Wilson's like 35-10 and 10 coming off losses. Now we got to look at the totality of his career. He had a great running game in Marshawn Lynch. They had a really good defense. So those numbers could – it could be a little screw, skewed, but I did look it up. This will be his eight. Uh, I think this he he's had eighteen games against the Cardinals, ten seven and one. So, very. We know that they've won here, um, and when they've won up there. So take out the Marshawn Lynch days, the Legion of Boom days, where they were they were they were rolling. I mean, they won what twelve games last year, twelve and four. That's why a lot of people, you know. Uh, they're going to come back, but when you lose your quarterback for a few weeks. But I, I do think their defense um, is starting to show their upside. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's. I like the I like the I like the matchup, and the fact is they got a chance to play them twice between now and week 18. All right, let's get into this matchup here on Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Seahawks three and six. They lost four of five last week, losing on the road at Green Bay. Shut out 17 to nothing and this Seahawks team only one and three on at home this year but when you look at the defense and I'm glad you brought up the Legion of Boom because it is anything but that and this year 31st best defense as far as yards per game number 26 against the run number 29 against the pass yet they are eighth on third down, ninth on fourth down, they have the number one, the number nine scoring defense. But just those numbers as far as yards that they're allowing, talking about that Seahawks defense, that's not something we've seen over the past decade, if you will, under head coach Pete Carroll, no matter who is the defensive coordinator. Because when we talk about Seahawks, first thing at least I think about, it's, yeah, Russell Wilson, but it's it's that defense and the Legion of Boom. But they don't have, obviously, Richard Sherman anymore. They let 
K.J. Wright. They didn't re-sign him. Shaquille Griffin, Quinton Dunbar left in free agency. So some new faces, if you will, on that defense. And right now, through 10 games, or for them, through nine games, they just haven't played particularly well on defense. Yeah, and, you know, they still have Bobby Wagner. And, of course, they made the trade for Jamal Adams and um, – you know, it's interesting just from, uh, you know, a standpoint of, you know, he's a guy that plays in the box a little bit. Um, you know, I guess we're not going to see that matchup with him against the secondary of the Seahawks without Hopkins out there. So maybe – and then week 18, are the, what are the Cardinals playing for? Um, at that point, you know, Russell Wilson, is that his last game as the Seahawk? And, and I wonder how much criticism is going to come down on Pete Carroll because, you know, just like all four of these teams, I think the the Niners, uh, the Seahawks, and the Rams, their expectations were to get to the Super Bowl. I'm sure that were for the Cardinals. I think every team's uh, goal going in the training camp is to win the division. I mean, you host a playoff game. Um, but yeah, I mean, Pete Carroll's been there a long time. And, you know, I was talking to somebody early on the field. Can you imagine if he had won that second Super Bowl? I mean, he won national championships. And I really think that because they chose to throw the ball, he lost a little bit of that locker room, and I think it carried over. But he's a defensive-minded head coach. Ken Norton does a good job. It's just they don't have the same horses. And so that's where, you know, Metcalf's got to be more um, focused. You know, he kind of gets cut lost in some of these scuffles and wants to have the, you know, last say. Um, and Tyler Lockett's a good player. And, we, they, you know, I think they're waiting for Chris Carson to come back. And he's a, a guy that they, I think they totally miss in the run game. Yeah, Carson's missed the last five games with a neck injury, and even Jordan Hicks brought him up talking about Chris Carson, expecting him to be back this week. We'll have to wait and see on that. This Seahawks defense, though, they give up a ton of yards, though they clamp down in the red zone. They're fifth in the red zone, and again, just under 21 points a game they're allowing. It just hasn't materialized as far as the win-loss record is concerned, but numbers-wise, over 400 yards, over 125 yards on the ground, 275 yards through the air. So away with or without Kyler Murray for a James Conner, Eno Benjamin on the ground, and A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, Zach Ertz through the air to be able to move the football up and down the field. Yeah, I mean, kind of like bend but don't break. They are in the top ten. I want to say they're ninth overall in points allowed. I think the Cardinals are sixth or seventh in there. So, you know, they're not giving up a ton of points, but again, I think you still can move the football from the 20 to the 20, and it's a matter of are you kicking field goals or are you scoring touchdowns? And we know when it comes to Kyler Murray, if he's got the, all the weapons, I think Ertz can be a good red zone target, goal line guy, and, of course, James Conner, to me, he's, he's the perfect back when you're when you're within the five-yard line. Of course, the Seahawks, you brought him up, still have Bobby Wagner. He's 31 years old, and he's still – producing he leads the team in tackles he ranks second in the league in tackles and this is his I could had to reread this a couple of different times this is 10th straight 100 tackle season MJ he had 100 tackles in nine games I mean he's a tackling machine and you know I know that he Jordan Hicks doesn't have as many tackles as him I think he had 392 in the last X amount of years. Jordan Hicks had like 324, and then there's a Zach Cuttingham guys in the middle. But you're hoping those tackles are coming at the line of scrimmage. 
but but you can't control that if you're not getting a push up front. But to, to have a guy like that and Fred Warner and uh, Jordan Hicks and, and your defense, it goes a long way. They may not be the most athletic guys, but their football IQ, they can recognize stuff coming out of the huddle. And at 31 years old, that's the football IQ that you've been doing this now for 10 plus seasons. It's yeah, you. You need to have some athleticism, some skill, but it's also recognizing what you watched during the week on film to recognize what that's going to happen, materialize on the football field, and reacting to that maybe even before the ball is snapped. A lot of that is the pre-snap understanding what an offense wants to do because of the film study you did. Yeah, and he's been there as long as um, I can remember. So he's gone through Arian staff, Wilkes, and and, and now uh, obviously Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. And, you know, I, I think when K.J. Wright was there, I can't say it was every down, but I did think they put a spy on him. But I, I'm sure he's able to ID things on formation. And Jordan Hicks does the same thing, Fred Warner. Again, when you play a team in your division – Granted, they haven't played them until week 11. They've already played the Niners twice. They're going to get the Rams coming up in, uh, in in December on Monday Night Football. I just think you don't have to go he- deep into your playbook. What you know, stick to what works. I mean, clearly, if if they see something and you do it over and over, then maybe you change it. Because one of the things I really appreciate about this offense, Kingsbury, and then um, the Rams is they can run the same play. Formation-wise, it could be a run to the right, a pass to the right, a pass to the left, or a run, and it all looks the same. So, in other words, okay, we're going to play chess here, and who's going to get the last move? And that's what I like about these offense. Now, I will say, just based on uh, the coordinator in Seattle, they are running a similar offense to what the Rams and the 49ers are, a little bit hybrid. And, you know, everyone says let Russ cook. Well, one thing we really haven't um, nailed down is – They've never had a great offensive line. We can get into the offense yeah. no, okay. on, on Thursday. Yeah, We're just when, looking yeah. at, at Bobby Wagner yeah, and then yeah. the other focal point and Jamal Lewis. Jamal uh, Adams, Adams, as far as what he was able to do. And I found this interesting. Last week, I mean, he filled up the stat sheet. An interception, 11 tackles, two quarterback hits. But that interception, his first wearing a Seahawks uniform. Wow, and they give up a couple first-round picks for him. That was mind-boggling, even watching the Monday night game where you, you got a guy like, um, what's his, um, and, and, uh, and Jalen uh, Ramsey? Yeah. He was not on Kittle or Debo Samuel. I'm like, didn't you get this for this guy? And he was he was guarding a third receiver. Now, I don't know if they were playing zone. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, like I said, I, I like the matchup, and I just think because we're familiar with them and vice versa, um, and it's going to come down to the simple things, you know, turnovers, field position, um, penalties, you know, just little things. And I thought the Cardinals have cleaned that up pretty good this year. They're not making costly mistakes. You're the two turnovers last week, costly mistakes. But when it comes to penalties, and I haven't checked the stalled drive statistic that we all learned a year ago, but they're overcoming some of those penalties. And if there are some penalties, they're not the – they're not the egregious ones that all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, this drive is done. Last year at this time, they had 79 penalties for over 600 yards. They're at 72, and they're about 500 yards. And when you look at the stall drives, it's really a single number. It could be 5 to 7, not 14 to 15. So when I look at that stat, it, it you see a lot of zeros, and then there's a couple guys that have one or two. 
and obviously that's from a you know a holding penalty or I think Josh Jones is on there a few times, maybe even Humphreys at one time. Well, you look last week they just had four penalties, three of which happened in the third quarter. Marco Wilson had a pass interference call against him. So those kind of plays hurt. And, you know, uh, Sean Harlow holding call to make it second and 20 in the second quarter, those those hurt. And that was a stalled drive because they ended up going three and out. But we just haven't seen it on a consistent basis. And when you're moving the football up and down the field, then all of a sudden those penalties, yeah, they might still be happening, but you're getting better production when you do have the football. Yeah. And again, I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, this team has to get back to playing complementary football. And, you know, I, I just think when Kyler's on the field, they can they can push the envelope a little bit more. Uh, they can really open up the offense. And then if you start scoring points, the other team's got to go, okay, we can't run the ball anymore. Uh, and then the defense starts to tee off and get for some turnovers and special teams, you know, possibly can get you some field position. So I know it sounds like a cliche, but if you're playing complimentary football, you're not beating yourselves. Another item when you look at this Seahawks defense and the hope that Kyler Murray does play this week and has some success and maybe doesn't need to scramble a lot is because you look at the one, the passing statistics, as we talked about, 275 yards allowed by the Seahawks defense, but they're not getting much pressure on quarterbacks. 14 sacks this season, and last year, as I was doing some research and reading up on the Seahawks, remember they added Carlos Dunlap, they brought in Jamal Adams, and that second half of the season last year, they were really getting after the quarterback. A league-high 37 sacks over the final 10 games last year. This year, through nine games, just 14 sacks. That tells me, one, great job by offensive lines that are facing the Seahawks, but more importantly, they're not being able to get into the backfield. And then you look at the passing numbers and it's, okay, well, there's a correlation there. Quarterbacks are having all the time in the world to pick apart the def defense and that Seahawks secondary. Yeah, and that's interesting because you're right. Um, and if teams can, if, if teams can, you know, obviously uh, try to run it, uh, again, I, I've never been um, – a big fan of their offensive line, but I, I know what you're saying from the defensive standpoint. You would think that they would be able to create some more one-on-one -on -one matchups, and when and because right now I think teams say we're not we're not afraid of sitting back in there and patting the ball a little bit. Now clearly you want to get it out at the NFL; they get paid too. But um, I'm sure that's you look at the numbers you you brought up in the second half. I didn't know that. I just know that they're always in the teens in the first half of the season. Um, dating back for the last couple of years. But they do have some guys that can win one-on-one -on -one matchups, and now it's just a matter of the Cardinals getting their offensive line back to where, what they need to be. Dunlap on that defensive front. Kerry Hyder, who they re-signed in the offseason. L.J. Collier has not played a whole heck of a lot. Last fact, last week was only the third time this season in which he was active. So there's not, you know, Robert Kimdichie, is on this Seahawks team. I'm sure, you know, if we look back at Hassan Reddick and Zane Gonzalez, what they did on Sunday, and all of a sudden you're at home. Robert Kimdichie seeing that Cardinals uniform. We'll see how much time he gets against his old team. But, you know, if you're DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, hopefully he gets to play, Rodney Hudson, Max Garcia, Calvin Beecham, it's, look, on paper, and we've learned a lot this season that you can't judge an opponent by what you read on paper because even any given Sunday and things happen unexpectedly on Sundays. But this is not what you would call a scary 
defense when it comes to getting after opposing quarterbacks. No, and, and, and you know, you know, Kim Dietschy, he I'm glad he got he has an opportunity. Um, that's all you can ask for. Obviously, you know, he was disappointing here, and he went to Miami, et cetera. But, you know, he's he's very undisciplined. So sometimes you, he'll jump off sides or – you know, get a late hit, and I don't think it is. I don't. I don't think it's it, it, his demeanor is to do that. I just think sometimes he has to make a play, and he he definitely wants to play physical. So they're they're aware of his skill set. I don't think he's going to be too much of a an issue, but uh, you can get him to play the echo of the whistle and maybe throw a flag on him. You watch now. We talk about all of this, and just the complete 180 will transpire on Sunday. I'm, I'm, I'm look, MJ. I'm, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. I apologized to the Bird Gang, figuring that Colt McCoy and everything in would be okay going into the Panthers game, and we know what happened in that contest on Sunday. But you just look at. And, and that's all you can go on. I yeah. mean, we're not watching every single snap of the Seahawks this season, and it is kind of odd that here we are close to Thanksgiving, and it's the first time we're seeing the Seahawks this year. Record-wise, numbers-wise, defensively, and we'll get into the numbers offensively, they're not any better. But defensively, it's just they're missing the household names. They're missing that aura about them, the Legion of Boom. It's it, – there's – it's it's not very loud. It, it, it's it's a little quiet when you talk about the Seahawks defense. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. We had a couple quarterbacks this offseason that you know obviously they wanted to go elsewhere, and here's Russell Wilson given four or five teams that he. It's going to be interesting how how this season plays out, and uh, you know I guess that's their worry. Uh, Cardinals need to take care of business uh, and then go in that bye week. But you know you, you fast forward to week 18 i mean what are they playing for what are we playing for and you know what's the future of pete carroll i still think he's a good coach um i just don't think they have the horses they had in the past we say all this about the seahawks yet at three and six they're still only a game and a half out of that final playoff spot now they got to jump a bunch of teams they're 14th in the conference yet that seven seed is still very much alive for the seahawks and darn near every single team outside of the Detroit Lions, and that's why, you know, you get a win like the Panthers did on Sunday, the 49ers on Monday Night Football, and then all of a sudden you start feeling good about yourself, and you're like, hey, maybe we can get on a roll. That's what the Cardinals need to prevent this week is the Seahawks thinking that they can salvage their season because 3-7, and seven, that's hard to come out of, but four and six. Now all of a sudden they've got some life. Yeah, you're two games uh, behind, uh, you know, being 500, and that was very similar to when, when the Cardinals played the 49ers, and then the, here the Rams go out and make these trades, and the 49ers went up there and and, and you know whipped their backside. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, every team is just, and that's why I say at this point in the year, and I really believe it, and I should have I should have had this before we went into the Carolina game. Just throw out the records. I mean. Uh, everyone's talented. Um, the, the league is littered with great athletes. Uh, some ha- have more talent than others, um, but we all know talent. If you don't play as a, as a unit and if you don't have all 11 guys doing the same thing, well, uh, that most talented team on game day may not win. It's the team that plays the best that day, and I, I've learned that over the years. And, I, and that's why I, I really like this team, how they're wired and the leadership they have, and that's why I think they avoid losing streaks. But – Again, it's a division opponent. They're very familiar with each other. And let's hope the Seahawks haven't figured things out on a defensive front because their last three games, 13-7 and 17 points allowed as compared to 16-33-30 
to begin the season. And I got to think, Craig, when when he went down, they knew that Geno Smith, game manager. I don't think it's it's a bad word. It's just don't turn it over, don't lose the game for us. So I think they got a little bit more conservative where maybe they were going, you know, Russell takes some shots down the field. I think so they got more conservative. But the defense, they really have improved ever since Russell Wilson went down. And and they had a chance in that game last week. I know that, you know, they didn't score, but there were opportunities in that game. And, you know, anytime you're going on the road and, you know, uh, the one thing I'll say, though, um, the game had all the sleet and the snow, and that's a long flight going back home. So I think the Cardinals would have an advantage considering they were at home. Again, all that won't matter until you get to, to Sunday, but it's not easy to go to Green Bay. Don't score first time in 166 games for him. So I got, I got to think they're going back to the drawing board. But I think if they get Chris Carson back, I think they feel like they get more balance in their offense. The one number to keep in mind when you talk about the Seahawks and their defense, uh, aside from all the yards that they allowed, but the scoring defense, number nine and 20.7 points per game because that on its surface should be enough to win you a lot of games. Last week, 17 points, that should not beat you in the in the NFL in this day and age. And that and that's not normal for a Russell Wilson led team. They're always I mean, yeah, they put up 35-40 and you know when they had Marshawn Lynch and they had a really good, you know, uh, weapons on the outside, but you would think uh, just based on Russell Wilson and Houdini at times, you know, making plays out of nothing, that they would score at least 15 to 18 points. But that did not happen. And I think we're starting to see the upside of the Packers' defense. They haven't got Bakhtiari back, but they're getting, you know, Smith back and Alexander, and that's a really good defense. Um, but, again, I, I just feel like if you're Seattle, um, they found something in their defense, and now they're probably hoping that Russell Wilson can get back to Houdini. I just don't know if he has the same weapons. Well, that's fine. They can find and figure all that <laughs> stuff out, just not this, this week. Sunday, November 21st <laughs> at 225 when they kick off from Lumen Field. Week 11, Cardinals at the Seahawks, and then the bye week. Yes, it's looming, and we'll talk about that on Friday because I do think that's an important factor this week, and everyone – Coach players have all been asked about what's ahead, but mindful of that it's today, it's this week, not next week, the week after that. Yeah, I just hope that um, they get the win, a nice flight home, and then they can exhale, and then we're going to have to worry about COVID. You know, I don't know how many guys are traveling. I know the NFL is going to up the ante when it comes to getting tested because now other teams are playing. Um, but, you know, the Cardinals, if, if they have family over or guys are traveling, uh, yeah, but I, I just hope they can get through that and we don't have to worry about it. But obviously COVID's it's still popping up. Um, you're seeing top names still pop up. And, you know, hopefully for some of these guys, they're asymptomatic. They can hit two negative tests where they don't miss a lot of games because, you know, you want to see the best players out there. A reminder, Bird Gang, Pro Bowl voting underway. Go to NFL.com slash Pro Bowl votes. Vote early, vote often. Send your favorite Cardinals players to Las Vegas on Sunday, February 6th. You know, Craig, I was disappointed the other day because um, I think if uh, the Cardinals would have won, we would have been able to talk about the Hal Murray play. The anniversary was Tuesday? Monday or Tuesday. Boy, that does not seem like a year ago. That almost feels like five years ago. And that's when this team hit the wall. Yeah, but I, I, like I said, I, I see it everywhere because you know on Facebook they give you memories, and then we had the uh, DeAndre Ayton dunk or the 
Jay Crowder passed to him. So those were great moments in, in uh, Phoenix sports history. But we couldn't even talk about it because it's like it's not relevant right now. But it was one of the best plays, if not a one for best play, plus clutch play. And according to Hopkins, it was more him than Kyler Murray. Yeah, better catch by eye. Still one of the better quotes ever uttered by an Arizona Cardinals you, player. We're doing we're doing a podcast, yeah. but he always pat the head too. Yeah, pat the head. Better catch by. I eye. miss that guy. <laughs> well, I don't know if we'll see him this week, but maybe after that's the okay. bye at Chicago. That's but okay. yeah, it's, <laughs> you lose sight of some of these players. You're like, yeah. oh, that's right, he is on this team. <laughs> yeah, I just I was disappointed because if they win, then you can you know go back and you know, pump your chest out. But I think social media, I don't, I haven't talked to anybody, but it wasn't like it was on the forefront. No, it was not. But let's hope maybe there's some new memories, some better yeah, memories like that. coming up this week when the Cardinals play at the Seahawks. More on that matchup as the week progresses here on Cardinals Cover 2. And on that note, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.